Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pole podcast brought to you by Molson Coors. As always, uh, I am joined by, well, always now, I guess, for this season, uh, by the main man, Mr. Fromaways, uh, Gary Griffiths. Welcome back to the show, Gary. This season? Do you mean I've got to earn my contract for the 2023 yeah, yeah. season? Well, you've are, got you, a... are you auditioning other, other partners for this? You've, you've got, we've got podcast options for 2023. <laughs> <laughs> you just do have to earn your contract, so... <laughs> Jeez, oh, no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna flounder on this episode. I, I know, I know. There's 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 people just outside who are like con- agents contacting me all the time. Man. It's <laughs> terrible. It's like if I see one more highlight video, some guy doing a pod- <laughs> podcast, and I'm like, fucking <laughs> podcast shit. highlight video. <laughs> being you know, you know what I want. You know what I want to happen. Like because like well, obviously we do this every week. We we like analyze to death these games that have just happened. Can you imagine if two of the players did a podcast where they analyzed this podcast? <laughs> And we're like, oh, the, the shit that came out of Anthony's mouth on the last episode was absurd. <laughs> he really phoned in that podcast. Awful it is, performance. It, it felt like his heart wasn't in that episode. You know, he didn't like. He just gave the bare minimum and then moved on. So yeah, um, God, I, I hope to God that nobody ever does that. Um, so if, if anyone like fact checked any of the shit we say, then we this whole podcast would collapse under its own bullshit. We would both be sued quite heavily by uh, yeah. a bunch of people. So um, that's why. See, that's, but we've what... got we've got the might of Molson Cause behind us now. Like fucking that come is... out, come at us, lads. Yeah. Like, we've got the, the lawyers. Them lot Did... got. We'd be fine if you think you're fucking hard enough. Let's go. No, but I, I think uh, the good thing about all of this is, is that you're known now as the kind of the stats guy, the facts guy. So any of this shit comes back boomerang into us, it's going to be all you. <laughs> It's a ludicrous <laughs> reputation to have, quite frankly. I love it. <laughs> so um, if you if you say something with enough conviction, people think you know what you're talking about. It's what I've and and your your English accent makes you makes it sound like you know what you're talking about. True, yeah. Football, so, so really, really yeah, helps yeah. the fact you don't call it soccer <laughs> and you call it football and you say basket. It's Mate, uh... you get yeah. I was going to say you're getting into Kieran basket <laughs> territory now. <laughs> so it's been it's been a kind of a, a crazy crazy time since we last talked because uh, obviously we had the disaster in Edmonton, the Edmonton excrement from the the Wanderers, and we've also had word of a new um, uh, CPL commissioner, uh, which. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. Dear God, they're so terrible. The league and one soccer with the way to do stuff. Anyway, and then we also have speaking of one soccer, uh, Garrett Wheeler causing consternation on this on Twitter again with his fucking nonsense, and uh, Drew Becky getting involved and the uh, like bouncing back at him. It's just it's basically like you're giving him what he wants. Anyway, so let's um. I thought before we get into the game, let's just have a quick chat about uh Mark Noonan. Um, the one thing I was really concerned about was whether this guy was all in. 
He's definitely I, I, I think he's all in, yeah. <laughs> Make no doubt about it. I'm all in. I just wish he could have like said it more clearly to us that he's all in. So yeah. Um, so he's he has a pretty good CV. I mean, like uh, they called him a veteran sports executive, which I guess means that he's been around the block. So I think he had something to do with the Major League Soccer. He was involved with the United States Soccer Federation, and he was CEO of which is very random, I thought, was uh, of the uh, football club in Ghana called Accra Hearts of Oak, which is a fucking amazing name for a football yeah. team. So, uh, and, uh, did he play as well? Uh, he played football as well? He said, I think he said, he, I think he said in the interview he did that he played in college, but then had a career-ending injury. So, I mean... Yeah, I don't know the level or anything. But... Well, well, good for him that he came over and he, he stayed with the sport and he kind of mentioned that too. So that's kind of good. But um, what 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 did you think of? So first of all, we have to talk about the that it can only be described as a fuck up because it <laughs> because it had this big thing it was like major announcement tomorrow, and then they were putting out like little emojis. One of us have a bat, and one of us have a set of glasses or something like to kind of keep us all guessing. And then they were gonna have the thing at like two thirty or whatever it was. And then they announced it themselves like half an hour. They spoiled their fucking announcement. <laughs> no, like, they the scooped themselves. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Maybe maybe Dwayne Rollins is running the CPL website now. So I'm going to fucking get, get in there first. I, I was on my way to the gym and I was I, my plan was to get to the gym just before it started and then stream it on YouTube while I was like working out just to give me something to focus on instead of the misery that is the gym. And... I kind of like lift, I like swiped up on Twitter just before I got to the gym and I saw the announcement and the reaction had already happened. So then I thought, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's like a, a second, a second. Yeah. Maybe there's like a big, big announcement and this is just like the appetizer. Um, but it didn't turn out to be that way. I but, think, the, I think the big announcement was that he was totally all in. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Don't want anyone who's 75% in. <laughs> I want my commissioner to be all in. <laughs> I just you imagine him on the pl- like he obviously flew in the day before, and he's obviously there's been a process there. Where he's sat there going, "I need a catchphrase." <laughs> he's he's watching episode after episode of The Office. He's yeah. watching episode after little Britain. Big, big WWE fan loves The Rock. He's got he's looked at The Rock and gone, "That is a catchphrase. I need a catchphrase to get oh on the God. right foot." <laughs> I really hope I really hope that they start selling CPL. I'm totally all in t-shirts just for us to wear on the show. Yeah. Um but you know, like he kind of made the right noises. Like he like it's good that he has a background in, in football. I thought it was really nice that he gave a nod to the work that David Clanigan has done. I thought that was kind of nice. Um disappointed that we weren't on the media list and flown out to Toronto for the snacks and nibbles that were available afterwards. Um, yeah, fuck you know, that a lot. Yeah, I was kind of like we did get invited though to the zoom call afterwards which i was we like did. yeah <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm, did. Still on, I'm still on some list from the from from a ways when i do the blog for that as well, <laughs> well uh, i, I, I was just like no no like it's either like <laughs> fly me out to toronto and make me part of this or i don't want anything to do with it so yeah i was, I was like a petulant child going fuck you like you, you invited like the guys from what's the footy prime they were all there like you know like jimmy Brennan and all those guys with the hang out <clears throat> i had to watch i had to find out on twitter what was going on so um did, did yeah, anyone but... ask him how in he is during that post <laughs> that <laughs> i don't think that question was asked because on I think a scale he made of a, zero a... to all how in are you 
he made it abundantly clear he was. But I did learn that he was uh, left-handed. Uh, I feel like Adam Jenkins, like in the two, and him were just like done with being interviewed because I think I think Adam Jenkins had said that was like his tour de force interview with the guy. So I feel like they they were like best buddies now, and they're like Facebook friends, and you know they got the best buddies in the sense of like the buddy you have who you drink with a lot and hear the same stories from a lot. Cause I bet that he had to give the same answers in every single one of those interviews. So I so I, I go again, he's telling that <laughs> anecdote about the time that thing happened. Yeah. Cause I, I read the Like, cause I think the athletic had released that they were the one that scooped it all, I guess. I think they had something and then the CPL posted something and the one soccer interview and it was pretty much all this. Like, and it's kind of like, what can you really talk about? You know, like, it's like, they have to kind of, I guess because he's not Canadian, they had to kind of like say why they wanted to bring him in, which is fair enough. You know, like I'm sure there was people who are like, why didn't we have a Canadian in here? Kind of what, like just the way these things go. And then I thought he just made the right noise. Like he kind of mentioned the women's game. He also mentioned about the union and all that kind of stuff, which is stuff that's really important, I think, to uh, the fan base here in Canada. So I think he did a really great job. And then he was, he, they brought him to one of the games and unfortunately he got to go to the Ottawa Forge game and got to see like a, a horrible piece of officiating which we've all kind of become used to with the, the CPL like poor Becker it was like he's the Frank Lampard of uh, was, the CPL it was, yeah uh, I was gonna say I was having World Cup 2010 flashbacks during that it was uh but you know it's kind of one of those things so like it like he hit it so hard and it was so fast it was impossible I think for anyone to yeah. see. so anyway but yeah he I saw him hanging out when he had this I was kind of joking with some people today saying that it was like, do you know the way in um, Coronation Street where they have like fake points of beer, like in the Rose of Turn? <laughs> He's walking around with this point of beer. It just looked, it just looked totally out of place. So, yeah, it's kind like... of like when, when politicians are on the campaign <laughs> trail and they want to seem like every man and down to earth, they'll go to a pub and have a pint. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, yeah, like uh, like, uh, Rishi Sunak. I don't know if you've ever seen the thing of him like, trying to buy a kind of Coke at the garage. <laughs> And he's like, the guy's like trying to scan his kind of, he has his finger over the barcode and he's trying to scan his card yeah. and everything. It was ridiculous. So yeah, so uh, we welcome him. Like we, we got to see. Yeah, we've we're... really given him a nice welcome there. <laughs> I know. No, like, in, in all seriousness, you're all right. Like we're being cynical pricks right now just for a laugh. But he, yeah. yeah, he did say all the right things and hopefully the actions reflect the words and we see some good progress. Yeah. And uh, as I said, you know, like, like uh, David Klanikin, it was a he's on a hiding to nothing like trying to create a league and, and all that kind of stuff and i think he did a really good job they they mentioned the windsor thing again so i guess that's still in the process like this that's kind of been under the the scope of things um i i, I think for me <clears throat> one of the biggest things he needs to let people know about and work on is edmonton i think people are obsessed with expansion teams and i think we kind of need to solidify where we are with the league and let the people in edmonton know and i think judging by air game the people of edmonton are, are starting to fall back in love with the club because it's basically like the underdog story you know it's um denton the privateer who, who's uh basically just been on a whirlwind tour yeah. of uh alberta because he was at the calgary game the weekend too had said that the crowd was pretty good there too so it looked look good on tv as well it's the biggest, <laughs> yeah. one of the biggest i've seen it looking which is nice. I mean, and they need to lean into that narrative of being the underdogs. I think that's something as a supporter and a spectator you get behind. Like I'd, you'd rather support these underdogs than a mid-table team who win, win one week and lose the next week. So yeah, lean into that. And are you saying that's what we are? Yeah, <laughs> basically, man, to be honest. Well, it'd be kind of nice to win like every second week. But anyway, I just I just thought um, 
that that was something. Uh, so yeah, so welcome uh, to this to this, to the uh, CPL. It'd be great to see what you do, Mark. Um, anyway, so the next thing we wanted to chat about was this uh, Wheeler's bullshit on Twitter again. Um, like he came out, and this is the thing we talked about this with the power rankings like last week, and it's all about clicks. And I, I know that you had posted something last night about this too. Like so, this is kind of one I want to bring it up, but I I just I don't understand why people engage with it. Like you know, like as soon as I saw, um, what what it was, I was like, "Fuck this," you know. And it's like it's it's just you know, you could even see like for, you could see like the the two presenters that were with them were just like, you know, here we go mm-hmm. again, kind of isolated. It. It's like just shut that's the a, that's up. a frustrating thing because Andy and Ollie are so good, yeah, and they bring so much like so much <clears throat> valuable insight and analysis to the league that makes you like you've. It, right, if it was just them two, you'd watch that and you'd feel really proud of that as a product, and you'd want to share it with your friends because it's it's excellent analysis and it's it's intelligent and it it doesn't it doesn't like talk down to the viewer. It doesn't like the the thing with Wheeler. I find is I like I don't like feeling like I'm being manipulated, and I know when he goes off on one like that, but he doesn't actually think feel that strongly about it. He's he's trying to manipulate a reaction out of people watching, and I think most people are kind of clued in enough to know that's what he's doing and you just feel a bit like Ugh, when when that happens yeah like, don't insult my intelligence by trying to get a rise out of me like speak to me like I'm an equal um which which again Ollie and Andy do really well and, and it's it's difficult because I try and watch that show but I try and like mute it when he's speaking and when I see his mouth stop I then unmute it and I, it shouldn't really be like that but yeah as, as you say it's just like we all know this. We all know how like marketing and social media works in 2022. You like, and I and I do have some sympathy for like the producers at One Soccer because they've got an answer to their bosses, and their bosses are going to them. How many views did that video get? How many views did this video get? Why didn't it get more? And they know if Gareth Wheeler goes on the show and says something just frankly absurd and <laughs> and, and insulting like that, like people are going to be really annoyed about it and are going to watch it and are going to engage with it and quote tweet it and retweet it. Um, Which like, of course they want that. They want engagement and they want to show their bosses that they're getting loads of views on their videos. But the problem is like, that's, that's only half a success if you do that, because if half the people tune into that video, because there's a bit of controversy in there and just cringe the whole way through and say, fuck this i'm not engaging with this product anymore that was awful that was embarrassing and it was irritating which which he is he's he's really irritating like his deliver his delivery and the shock value he goes for like a lot of people are going to react to him in that way and associate him with the league and the product the league produces and see it as this kind of like like the league's big challenge is not to seem like an amateur league because i think there's still a lot of people who and this annoys the fuck out of me, but we'll only follow the EPL or only follow MLS and look down on the Canadian Premier League. And if if like you have someone like that representing the league on the channel that represents the league, then it's 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 not a good look. So I think I think the producers need to kind of really think about what what that sacrifice looks like in terms of okay, we don't have one big hit video a month because he says something stupid but we do have like a level in, of integrity attached to the product and what we produce around the product <clears throat> so from like on in his defense a little bit like i i think that maybe it's on him to do this kind of stuff that they've like they've probably told him 
that this is why we hired you this is what we want from you we want these kind of controversial takes and I, but the thing is like i i think you know i, I think the majority of uh, football fans in this country especially the ones that follow the cpl like are knowledgeable enough about the game to know that that that's a bullshit take you know you're talking about the team mm-hmm. that's on top of the league that like <clears throat> they have some really exciting players like i mean like tabla and ali bassett and it, it's just like just a nonsense and you know uh, you're right i feel it just feels grubby when you're like you're, you're kind of tuning into it and you're just like oh god almighty and it, it you're i think it's why people are going through like a lot of people have switched to fubo and so far just because they don't want to listen to it you know and it's like mm. you know adam jenkins and you know jimmy brennan and and ian hume and, and all those guys that they have doing the commentary like they're usually have really good analysis and it's a really good i think the, the product that way is really good but you know it's the analysis that when it comes to this kind of stuff just to get a shock value it's 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 and i don't think he needs to do it and i think it's probably that as you said that everything's about engagement, everything's about clicks and all that stuff is like all the insights are looked at and it's probably like your air, you know, like, because uh, Alexi Lalas used to be like this in, in the MLS mm, when yeah. he was doing this kind of just saying random shit just to get like people's ire up just to fucking whatever. So and I think that's just where he sees himself. I don't think he has to be. I, I don't, I think we're mature enough not to have to deal with that kind of like bullshit anyway so you know and it was kind of cool that drew becky came out today and kind of responded to it like as i said before drew becky's been a really good um uh good mouthpiece i guess would be a good phrase for uh statesman statesman is yes yeah. very statesman like and yeah and you know he's been around the block and he kind of like you know he he kind of mentioned how much change they've had this year and you know they've gone from the bottom of the league last year to the top which you know, we we experienced that in 2020, which is obviously a lot different, and it's uh, it's been an incredible turnaround. Anyway, so that's enough time wasted on time wasters. So uh, moving on, to, moving on to the game. Um, fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> I like your I like your alliteration at the start of the episode. The excrement in Edmonton. Oh, it, it, was. it was it was horrible. Like like. I was, you know, I, I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen because it was Edmonton's first home game in a long time. They were going to come out. I think part of the reason they had that crowd there too was because they haven't been home in a long time too. And it was just a, it's a really good day out. But we were so lethargic at the start again. Like, and I thought we got past this because the last couple of games we started the game on the front foot and been really in and around people. Like, I mean, the other game we were great from the start Pacific we were great from the start and it just felt like we just rolled back two months to absolute dog shit and I I'm some I hate I hate talking about the team like this but it's just not good enough you know I don't know I don't understand why we were so slow out of the blocks I actually like to give a bit of pushback I thought first five minutes we were actually okay um like like I was saying the other week about what what do you want from a start and you want aggression then possession you want to win your duels get your territory and then keep the ball and for the first three four just about five minutes we actually did that pretty well and then Edmonton just figured it out they just went oh that's what they're doing this is how we're going to counter it and Edmonton from a structural point of view were very solid quite quite rigid but that that suited them against us and I just we ran out of like the worrying thing for me was how quickly we ran out of ideas, like really, really quickly. You could see, and I don't know if this was instructional. 
I think it probably was because they tried it a few times. They kept trying to clip it from the wide centre-backs into like the the channel between the Edmonton fullback and centre back, yep. and they tried that like three or four times in the first twenty five minutes, and it didn't work. Any any of those times, it didn't work. And like, okay, that that sometimes happens. If if they've been told to do that, they should have kind of the autonomy on the pitch and the intelligence as players to figure out that Edmonton are playing quite a deep block. Therefore, that space isn't in behind. Therefore, we stop trying to do that because it's not working. But they they didn't really stop it. And as a result, we we just weren't playing through the lines in any way, shape, or form. We were like kind of filtering it out to the full, the wing backs who were like looking for a pass inside, which was never on. So then they'd try that floated ball over the top, and we just we basically ignored playing through the lines. We ignored we basically ignored the center of the pitch. Like nothing went yeah, through the it was center. Weird, of the pitch. wasn't it? Yeah, it was just all it was all kind of like that horseshoe thing. Yeah, and when that didn't work, then we tried to float one in over the top again, and. I think the limitations with what happened on Saturday, sorry, Sunday, were there was a lot of technical responsibility on our centre-backs. And I don't think our centre-backs have got the technical level to deal with that responsibility and act as playmakers when that happens. So I, I would have liked, one, once we've realised, OK, this is the game, like the, our game is going for our centre-backs today, which sometimes it does, sometimes if a team man to man man to man marks you across the pitch, it has to go through the centre backs. You you push Omar back there. You push someone back there who has the ta- technical level to to pass through a team and to punch it into the the forwards, to punch it into the centre midfielders. Um, but we we didn't have that. So yeah, first five minutes were okay, and then it just got really poor really quickly. And that first half was not the worst of the season, but it is in the conversation. They they scored a goal which. Um, was a fantastic shot from uh from Timoteo, and, and it was it was coming. You know, you can always feel like they had a couple of like half chances. They were whipping the ball into the box. There's a couple where Borchesky nearly got in the end of it and stuff like that. And you could just when you when you get that sense in games when it's like the momentum is building, you know it's gonna happen sooner or later. And then when it happened, it, it was kind of like oh fuck, here we go again. And it, you could feel it in the team too. And then we got the penalty, which was we were lucky to get and like mm. it was another one that was just weird ones like it wasn't really a penalty but i guess it kind of is it was weird like because on the commentary adam jenkins said that like he he punched fernandez in the head or something like that. <laughs> he didn't get near him but it was yeah. like it was such a stupid rush of blood from the head from the keeper and he kind of did it as a favor so we'll take it and then once we scored the penalty for that next like 10 minutes i guess towards the end of the fourth we, we actually started to play football i mean we started to play our game it was it was just odd that like it takes these weird moments for us to to get going and like it, it i feel like it's whether it's a disconnect from the the sideline to the message that's going on the pitch or there's nobody like stepping up and being a leader and tell like just grabbing the game with a screw for neck and changing the way we're doing stuff it's just a, it's just a weird vibe around the team right now i i, I, I don't I can't really put my finger on it i think i think a lot of it is between the ears like a lot i look at a lot and i think like, and I think as a fan base, this is probably a good thing, but the fan base always tries to punch up. And if, if there's an issue on the pitch, it's always the coach yeah. and or management or recruitment, which it which it often is. Like, I'm not saying that's not an issue, but at some point we do need to kind of look at a lot of the players and go like body language, um, how you carry yourself on the pitch, like 
how you deal with adversity. And a lot of the players are like are re really found wanting when you measure them by yep. those standards. Like we, we've got some players on, we've got some players in the squad who are technically like top, like technically as as good as you need to be in this league. But it's just not there from a from a mental point of view, which um, which is a shame because the talent's there. But yeah, I know I know what you mean. Like you you see shoulders sink, and I, I think you noticed it when. I don't know if you wanted to get to this at some point, but when Jeremy came on, oh, when Jeremy came on, night and day, exactly, and like you, see, like that is an example of someone who is like mentally on it, attitude perfect, professionalism perfect, and he came on pissed off, like he came on and was and the energy level that he, like he he lifted the team from an energy perspective because he's oh, yeah. obviously very respected, um, and he comes on and you just realize like that's the standard. But you can't just rely on one player to bring that standard. You need every single person in the team to be bringing that level of energy and that level of commitment and aggressiveness in what they do. And I, I don't, I didn't really see it from anyone else. Everyone else was kind of just like, yeah, like, like there was lethargy there, and there was a bit like not sulking, but feeling a bit down on themselves. And oh, gold, we've, we've gone behind again. And like you need, you need eleven Jeremys, not just one. So. But like uh, one of my questions was going to be for you, like, uh, like, why do you think he didn't start? Yeah, I've no idea. I mean, like, it's not like we had another game coming up quickly. Like, we've got like a, a week and a bit, like, yeah. of, a, of a break. It just seemed my... strange to me. Like, I know Lamotte. It's kind of hard to leave Lamotte out of the side because he's been playing well, and I know Omar has been playing well. But at the same time, though, like Jeremy's probably been our best player all season, and it just seems like it. I guess it's where we are with the, with the issues is like you know like are, are do we still have does Stephen Hart still have this idea in his head and does the club still have it in their head that we could we could have made the playoffs somehow by winning this game or like if we're just gonna like go okay the season's done we're gonna try different formations and we're gonna look towards next season like I, I get that and you know like leaving Jeremy out would make sense in that respect that we're trying to do something different but a lot of the noise from the club is is that we're still in the playoff <laughs> which is fucking bonkers <laughs> but it, 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 if that's the case, then I don't understand why he wasn't starting. He's been our best player all season. Yeah, my my best guess is the same as you. I think I think they've probably seen the performances of Omar and Lamoth over the past three or four games and thought we don't want to like they they're youngish, like they're not super young, but they're youngish players. Um, they've both hit good form. Both of them the best it's ever been for the club. I know, yeah, small sample size of Omar and not wanted to 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 like destroy that or, or or stop the momentum from it which i kind of get but retrospectively you see the level of jeremy compared to anyone else yeah. on our team and yeah I, I i would like him there and like equally there might be an injury or something we don't know about but he certainly didn't look like he was playing injured to me he wasn't holding anything back yeah like like i i think this was like you know um like uh, lamotte has been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks. this was a game when he was back to just being uh, anonymous unfortunately and uh, like the, the thing as well is like w like when it came to and this is where we always get we always get bitten as well is that the second half we started again really really well and we had two fantastic chances uh daniels finally did something and got in behind the their defense and got to the boy line and knocked it back to salter who like should have buried that chance like i mean honest like 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 at this level like you know and for what everybody 
thinks that he is. Like he should be put, he should be making the keeper work. He should be doing something. Like I know he got on target, but it was just like a weak hour shot. And then Lamott had one that he should have fucking buried. You know, the ball that came out to him. I know it's kind of coming out quickly, but you know, like you're 14 yards out in the box, like you gotta be putting that away. And I think like had one of those gone in, and this is all this been a story of our season. Had this happened, <laughs> yeah, everything would be better. Like I, I think we would have knocked the shit. We would have knocked stuff now of Edmonton, and we would have gone on and won the game quite easily. But we didn't, and that's been a problem all years that we can't finish these chances. And then they went down the other end and scored two goals back to back, and the game was pretty much done at that stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think kind of to echo what I was saying earlier, where. Uh, Again, not giving the coaches, recruitment, management, etc., a free pass. But I think where I'm at with it now is like, like to echo what I was saying earlier. I, I completely get criticism of management, recruitment, um, ownership, etc. Like that's fine, but I don't, I don't think we can give just because we like the players and they all seem like nice guys, which they really do. I don't, I don't think you. you could, they can be blameless in all of this as well, though. Like at some point, they need to take ownership. For themselves and ownership of their careers and maybe maybe tactically they, they're not happy with what's happening or something I don't know but it's they still have a career and it's a very short career and you don't want to waste that because you're feeling a bit lethargic or you're feeling a bit down about the team's performances like don't 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 waste a short career take ownership and take responsibility as well like what stuff like finishing that's 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 down to the individuals that's not that's not a management thing that's an individual thing and and as as much as like i said there is valid criticism towards the management side there's absolutely valid criticism towards the players as well yeah like, like i i i think we've mentioned before that a lot of the players that just have club options for next year like they don't actually have contracts this is like i think there's like a couple that have options like that are have contracts for next year and everybody else is on options so i mean like you think that we're coming towards the end of the season and contract talks are going to start coming around again, that they'd be like going hell for letter and like putting a hundred percent into every game. And just, there's, there's people that are just coasting and it's not it, like this is where I feel some sort of sympathy for the player, the people who are like, like they're crying out for, for something to change. And, you know, they're blaming Stephen Hart, they're blaming, uh, Derek Martin, they're blaming Matt Egan, and I get where they're coming from because that you need to have the fall guy for another off season here in Halifax, and it's it's kind of hard to. I don't, I think it's a combination of everything. I don't think it like you know like Stephen Hart's obviously the the coach, and he's the one that's like most people are pointing their finger towards, and it, a lot of it is valid, but at the same time though, it's like I feel like it's a big collective of stuff that's not going right and uh, part like we saw in the like during the game like I, I sent you a clip earlier on of uh, people have been talking about like Santos and Dorado having a, a bit of a blowout on the, the sideline like Dorado was trying to give him some instructions and Santos was kind of biting back on him and I get like in the heat of the moment and <clears throat> all that kind of stuff and if, if the coach is like trying to tell you something that you're not doing right and then you know it's the same with work and with life that you kind of just you, nobody likes to have the criticism right for mm. at the same time though Everything's about optics, and that's people, the word, yeah. And if people look at it and see that you're biting back at your coach, it just makes everybody think that things aren't right in the in the group and the thing, which I think is very far from the truth. Because you know, they were posting videos the other day of them like doing the initiation thing with the new guys, like singing and all that kind of stuff. So I think I think it's very the the group themselves are like 
like it, it close knit and they are all great friends and all that stuff. But I, I feel like sometimes you need to kind of a bastard in the group to uh to kind of push people along. I, I don't know if we 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 have that with too many of the players here. I think there's an awful lot of nice guys and mm. maybe we need to bring in some more arseholes. Maybe <laughs> I think that's the thing. But yeah, you were right though. Like I mean, we, like we. we we went three one behind, like Warcheski's like second goal. Like, you know, I'm I'm kind of old school, and I, I don't understand why there's a person on the front post and nobody on the back post. Like, it just, I'm just, yeah. I, I said like, I I can understand in a way why because they took the short corner, but at the same time, like I mean, it, it was just left it wide open for whatever he was trying to do, whether it was a shot or not, I don't mm. know. But it's like two weeks and like like two or three games or something we've had weird goals going against us and it's just I, I I I feel like I always say something along this line on this pod but Shep said something to me I always say that but he did like he messaged me this morning or yesterday I can't remember about the game and he was like why why do Wanderers games always features always feature goals against us that I've never seen in my life in any other game and it's true isn't it like yeah. how many goals do we concede where it's like that was weird. That doesn't look like anything I'm I've ever seen right. before. Even I'd say even like even Warteski's sef- second goal, like that was a weird goal as well. Like shooting from outside the box and it just kind of bouncing off the keeper. No one, it just didn't feel like a real goal that you see in professional football. Yeah, neither, it, it? yeah it felt like it, it felt like something you'd see about like you know an amateur game, dog and duck but, sort of thing. Yeah. But, but we kind of we've kind of touched on this before, where with basket, like whenever he saves something, he he hasn't he has this knack of not being able to get the ball out of danger zone and he just plays it back into trouble yeah. and I think that was part of it and I just think that our players were so slow to react to it to whatever like the first shot second shot we were just like all over the place and um, it, it, I just... mean it was it was hard for the defenders to react because like when when he hits it he's got he he hits yeah. it with and he carries on with that momentum he fo- he towards follows in, yeah. yeah so it, it was I'd, I'd say it's more on the goalkeeper but in the same breath like Baskets a twenty year old kid, and I I don't want to put anything on a twenty year old goalkeeper to be honest. But it's especially probably when you don't say his name right, you know. Basket, pure and <laughs> there basket. We go. But yeah, like like you know, I, I, that's the thing. I didn't want to dwell too much on their goals because I, I it's kind of one of those things that's hard to to blame anybody. Like as I said, like the, the sec, the, his second goal was a kind of a freak of nature goal. But as I said, like for me, like somebody on the back post they're they're heading that out you know what i mean like so it's just yeah. it's just little simple things like that but then you know like everything changed again once jeremy came on and like we, we scored probably one of the best goals i think that we've probably uh had all season to be honest with you the inter the interplay between salter and um jeremy for that uh for that second goal was was beautiful it was really yeah. really good it was like that was top drawer stuff and i think that was coming from Jeremy coming on and just willing the team forward and just trying to do something, trying to be a game changer. And, you know, we got a stroke of luck, which I think that the team has been bereft of for quite a long time. And um, we, we got the, the the bounce. But once that second goal went in, and somebody had mentioned this to me, like, we didn't seem to do much. We didn't seem to, like, we kind of didn't push on and it, it didn't feel like we were, like, going to get an equal. It was weird. It was just like we went from that, what should have been like in a crazy momentum of getting that second goal back and us like piling the pressure on to get the equalizer. And we kind of just, yeah, uh, just... yeah, it was weird. It was like, it was like they thought that was equal. It was like they thought that was yeah. two all or something. It was, 
And I think I think Edmonton did well to take the sting out of it, but yeah. it was almost like when you like from a from a mental point of view, when you've got two goals to chase, you've got a certain level of energy and momentum because the the ascent to the top of the mountain is so far and so steep. And then it felt like once they got one back, they thought, oh, this is, we can kind of relax a bit now because we only need to get one goal now to get back into it. And yeah, yeah, you'd like to have seen a bit more of a wave after wave after wave. Um, like we've got Amler on now, like start yeah. start hitting the big man, start like chucking it into the box and just seeing where it lands on a second ball or something. But it, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't didn't happen. Especially like with their goalkeeper, because he looked he looked a bit calamitous himself, you know, like, yeah, a, like but the penalty, a nervous fella, wasn't he? Like the, <laughs> the the second goal, as the second goal was like Erza goal was nothing on him, but you know, it just starts playing on your mind when you're having that sort of a day that you know we start pointing crosses into Amla and whatever like that he might make a mistake um so yeah like it, it was just such a such a weird game it just felt like uh, watching it I, I just I didn't enjoy it I just it just felt like and and then I knew that soon I knew that if we lost that game the mood was going to swing back <laughs> to yeah. all the stuff we've had in the last couple of days of like messages on social media and you know like I get it, and I I really do. Like I feel like like the fan base, and it, it keeps getting repeated that they deserve better, but they do. And I and I feel like I feel bad for for everybody that's associated with the club right now that we just we just can't get any momentum going. We just it's just so flip floppy, and you know we're it's our hundred game coming up on uh, on Monday, and somebody's like posted the stats of like we haven't. It's like, have we won 25 games or 30 games out of 100 or something? Like I, that, so. I didn't see it. Yeah, that sounds about right, though. I think the yeah. win percentage is around 30%, but I don't know the exact numbers. You know, and, and <clears> I, I think that we all like, and we've got like a ton of stuff to go through for our most of mailbags. So I don't want to dwell too much on this, but like, like we, we will get into something along the lines of like where the club is and whatever so uh we, we'll save it for that so um the, one of the another bright spark i thought it was uh our good friend uh christian Campagna who came on I, I thought like for the little cameo that he had he actually looked pretty assured and he, he had a couple of nice little crunching tackles on people which is something i think that we also need as well we need somebody with a bit of bite and and, and stuff for like that so I, I think he's definitely one that we should keep our eye on and i, I think he uh looks like he might be a good player to have next year. Yeah, he looks like a really, really solid bit of recruitment. He he just he seemed like he's like, considering he's only twenty and this is his first professional game. He seemed awfully composed and sure of himself. And I like that calmness. You just, it jumps off the screen, doesn't it? And yeah. it, like he's one. He instantly was one of those players where when the ball was near him, I felt my heart rate go down a little bit. He 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 emanates that through the TV, through the screen. So I'm sure his teammates feel it as well when he's when he's on the ball. Um, yeah, very calm, very composed, tidy passer. Can't remember him giving it away at any point. So he's yeah he's he's one of a couple of reasons to feel some optimism for next season. In in my opinion, like I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's, I mean, he's obviously got the tools if he's trained with a Canadian men's national team. Like he wouldn't have been invited back to that training camp if the first time he was there he didn't look like he was anywhere near the level. Like he, there's yeah, no true. way he gets invited back if they think that. So that's really promising. And so it's a, it's a big get for us, actually. I think, I think it's a really big get. So. Yeah. Hopefully... Taking them, take, take them from 
the, the MLS two team and him being the captain and stuff for that. Like it's you know, but we're used to people going the other way. So the fact that we're able to bring somebody from and I think that I actually think it was a big coup and I think it's kind of been underplayed a little bit that but I think it was actually a pretty big coup for, for the club and I think they were like pretty excited because I saw um there was a video of Matt Fegan like showing them around the grounds and all that kind of stuff, which they generally don't do for most of the players. And yeah. so I think they they know themselves that that was a big gift for them. So um yeah, yeah I think it's I, one of those if, if that if that signing happens in the off season when optimism isn't yeah. is when optimism's a bit higher, that's treated a lot differently with a lot more excitement. But because the mood is pretty dark dark right now i think it's hard to it's hard to really see what a good sign in that is yeah so um i i, I think we we should leave it there i, I did actually have <clears> one question and i got you roiled up about this one yes so th- this week we had like F- uh, obviously Fumpa wasn't playing and more sam and i, I can't remember who else somebody else there's like three injuries from training do you think that we have a, a an issue where because I think this is more if I'm correct I, I'm probably wrong because I'm usually always wrong but it feels like this is like more, more sounds like third injury from training this year again <laughs> and I, I don't know whether people don't like him or he's like doing a with Charleston at, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a train and he's doing keepy ups and he's just pissing people off but it, it, it people had said that we were we seem to be getting quite a few injuries from training what what was your take on it and yeah, yeah no run um just just, <laughs> just i i think i think i think the wording of that roster report has kind of sent people down some 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 pathways which they shouldn't like every so every team usually operates with like six or seven injuries at all times but there's hardly any of those injuries happen in the 90 minutes on a saturday like maybe one every few games will get injured during the match which means every other injury is essentially a training injury it doesn't necessarily happen at training but it's a result of overexerting themselves in a training match maybe or just like kind of wear and tear you feel throughout the week and usually that's reported as just the word training is missed out it's like yeah Moamba misses out today because of a thigh strain and I don't think anyone thinks about it if it's reported in that way but when you put from training I think the image that conjures in people's heads is like training is like an MMA sort of deal where people are like smashing into each other and getting in fights and two footing each other, which is, which is obviously not the case at all. Like I've watched a fair bit of training and it's, it's fine. It's just normal training. So yeah, it's more, it's more like I can understand why people are getting paranoid about it, but it's just the wording. Like most injuries I, are training injuries. I actually think that's a really good point. And I think that they could board it better and just say like, Hey, like, you know, instead of like just being, I don't want to say lazy, but like just kind of like clubbing all together. They said Fumpa Marnway has a toy strain because that's something we're used to seeing yeah. all the time uh, with, with our teams. Like, and it just seems but like I, we've just kind of to make it look pretty on the thing. We've just kind of clumped it together. I actually, I have, I do have some sympathy because I think what they, I think, I think they're very, I think they're very tuned into fans' need and want of transparency. And I, I honestly think that's what they're doing. They're trying to be as transparent as possible and saying, this is injury, this is where it happened. Um, yeah. I, I, so I do think it's it's, it's done with good intentions. Uh, and personally, I'd never thought about it until I started seeing people like comment yeah. about it. So, Yeah, anyway, so uh, thanks for your, your thoughts there, Gar. Uh, so um your Heineken man of the match I I, I feel it's got yes Jeremy and it, no no one else should be near it it's only Jeremy yeah I you know I, I wish I could say anybody else but like I, I'm not being bad 
I, 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 we've talked about this before. How people make it into these teams of the week. I have no idea how Salter made it in there. I, 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 I just feel like they were just like we need to give Halifax a, a bone here and just and he scored. So therefore, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, like Jeremy's cameo was probably the thing that spawned us into getting anywhere near that game. So yeah, um. I'm really glad that, well, I hope that we take up his option for next year. I'm glad that we have the option on his option. So 100%. Yeah. yeah they have to. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, also, shout out to our good good friend, uh, uh, Timoteo. Hopefully, we're all excited to see you next season and hopefully that we get to see him here in Halifax because God, God knows we need him. So, uh, moving on to our Molson mailbag. So, <laughs> we sent out and did, did, like, I, I send these out, and it's not us. It is actually not me being lazy. I send them out because I actually do like to to know people's thoughts, and you know, it, it's kind of a nice little sounding board for people like to let their feelings out a little bit. So we actually had like a ton of questions this week. So, um, yeah, really good, really go? good questions as yeah. well. Yeah. So we're gonna start with uh, Mr. Donald Belcham. So the beginning of twenty twenty two. Saw the team playing some beautiful possession football. The ball moved quickly in small to medium-sized triangles, and as a result, carved out uh, open opposition midfields. This hasn't been the case since about the TFC game. Why do you think this has changed? I, I think I think what happened was we we started the season with like an exciting new young coach with very modern ideas. We started the season with a win, and you've suddenly got all of this enthusiasm and all of this buy-in to a way of playing to pattern play, to positional play, to having like a fluid front three, deep lying six, a false nine. And like, you just saw the buy-in was really, really big at the beginning of the season. And obviously it's all fresh in your mind because you're learning this new stuff. And when we learn new information that we want to retain, it's it's like really forefront in our minds. So I think that at the start of the season, that's happening. But then you get a few bad results and your confidence starts to go a bit. You start to kind of look around at where you're, who to blame or what to blame. And maybe you start to blame the system. Maybe you start to think it's not quite as good as it should be. And then the forge games happen. And I, and I really think like you can draw a distinct line this season between before that forge 4-0 and after the forge 4-0, because I think that game just completely exposed the flaws in it. And, and forge just provided a blueprint to the rest of the league for how to play against us when we play in the 4-3-3. And then just confidence just goes down the pan, doesn't it? And and suddenly this like fluid positional play, pattern play, you need to, you need to feel good about yourself as a player and you need to feel confident in what you're doing for that to come off, to do it, to play first time. Uh, and the confidence just drained. And then recently we were in on that awful run, which just compounded yeah. the lack of confidence and which is why then we switched to something a lot more, a lot more basic and a lot more functional because you you have to do that when you're playing badly. You have to go back to basics and we've gone a bit more long ball lately and we've gone a bit more, uh, we're not going to play through the lines because we don't really trust our first touch. We don't really trust that we can play through the lines. So we're going to be a bit more functional. We're going to play in safe areas on the wing. And yeah, there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I think it's all, it's all gone. Yeah. Like, like I, I thought the start of the season, even when Moretti was playing, I, I I thought we were still very unsure of ourselves. Like I, I thought some of the games like where we weren't at our greatest. Like I, like and then obviously when he got injured, injured, it kind of like messed up the whole plan of whatever it was that they had, and we're kind of scrambling to fix stuff. And they've just trying to just been putting like throwing players at it, trying to throw like it's it. But I think as well the two two against Calvary the week before mm. the Forge game. 
it really felt it was like this is like what we were like last year you know we just kind of like conceded in the last minute it was like a kick in the bollocks and i just felt like that really set us back and then the forge game on the back of that we kind of really put all our eggs into one basket for the toronto game which we talked before was really understandable but we exposed an awful lot of the like younger players to a hiding from one of the league's better teams. And I think that really, you're right, really affected their confidence. And we just haven't been able to get it back. And I think you're right, yet- to, you're, sorry, you're, right, sorry, you're right to bring up that cavalry game, actually. I didn't think of that, but that was a massive sliding doors moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine if we'd have beat, won that, beaten, I think they were top of the league or close at the time. The, the confidence would have just gone through the roof. And yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And I think people would have would have forgiven that Forge game, like because of the fact that we had the Toronto game, but then we got slammed again by them. And it was just yeah, just that two or two weeks around the Toronto game was just, you know, we had the high moment of the Toronto game and then so many, so many lows. <laughs> but yeah, um I'm I'm really hoping that if if this system, the four three three or whatever it is they want to do, that they go out and they have the option now to go and get players that they think will fit that system rather than trying to fit players around that system. I think uh, that, that I, I'm hoping that that's the road they want to go. We see in a, a bit of turnover in the team and, you know, you mentioned it earlier on, like there's a great bunch of guys and stuff like that, but you know, we've got to also think about the club sometimes and maybe that's what we need to do. So uh, hopefully that answered it somewhat, Donald, where you are, Donald is like um, he's. I feel like he's like a goodwill hunting. You know, he's got that kind of <laughs> stuff that's going all in his head. He's a stats <laughs> yeah. guy, so it's very. Yeah. I find it very difficult sometimes to to answer those questions because I'm not as in depth with the uh, with with the stats and stuff like that as what you two are. So uh, yeah, thanks for the question. We really really appreciate it. And hopefully that answered it somewhat. Uh, Steve Steele, our good friend Steve Steele, who uh, basically uh, he's he's he he pays for advertisement every week. Just uh, he. <laughs> <laughs> um, his very basic question do we have any faith left that this team will be much better next year <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i i with with football fans like every every i would say summer but every off season like we we're born again we we start anew I, I promise you whatever happens in the off season the night before the first game next season we'll all be buzzing and excited and believing that something good's going to happen so yeah it'll be there it, it feels it feels shitty at the moment but time t- time time will heal time um, is a great healer and yeah. i yeah it's it's one of those things uh like when you're a football fan blind loyalty is what brings guys you yeah. through all this stuff and you just hope that the powers that be do what's right so there we go hey, like um, yeah i know like don't even don't even kid yourself that we're not all going to renew our season tickets next year yeah, like exactly. we're like like i'm we're in. If you're listening to this podcast, trust me, you're in. Yeah, like this club has got you by the <laughs> got you by the hair, and you'll be back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Simon Springer asks, uh, "Do you guys think the boys will react positively? Positively, or was this a breaking point for them mentally?" I guess it's kind of the uh, Edmonton game. I I think the breaking point has been and gone. To be honest, I think I think I don't. I think there was a collection of breaking points. The two Forge games. The, the cavalry game that we've talked about, um, the York game that yeah. we lost four two at home at, and the Ottawa which we lost two 0 at home at, they, those are the breaking points. And now it's just about trying to put the pieces back together again, knowing that you're going to break a few more bits off in the process. 
it just feels like we're we just want this season to be over um, yeah. and we just want to get to the end of it and I, you know, mate, I, I kind of even feel like that as well to yeah. be honest and that's a weird thing to say but I, I'm, I'm like, I'm ready for, I'm ready for a reset, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping, like, they're trying to put a bit of hype around this game on Monday, like with the, um, with the 100 game, and I really, I really, really hope that the boys show up, and, um, and I say this every week, but I really do hope they show up uh, because. A we owe Calvary one from when they, the the, the two two game, and also just, just for we deserve it after. 99 games mm. and you, you want you want to kind of you want after the 100th game to look because I, I feel like this is a too big of a discussion for now but so many good things have come from the club yeah. in those 100 games and like not just on the pitch but just everything the club stands for in the community the incredible job they've had from building this community around the club so many amazing things and it'd be really nice to actually reflect on that next week and in the future rather than we wish it again on the pitch. Like I, I just want, I want, I want to give credit where it's due in the wake of that that hundredth game. But so hopefully we get the chance to. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that like uh, we can get people's uh, uh, best moments in the uh, like, uh, yeah, after, yeah. in that hundred game. So uh, we, friends we made week. along the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is from a Halifax wa- uh, Wanderer. Uh, I have to make sure I'm saying that right. Uh, this is from uh, Twitter. Uh, if Stephen Hart moves aside at the end of the season. What do you think will change for next season if Dorado is the main man? Does Hart need to leave the club for the team to actually go further and be hopefully successful? Uh, you know, mate, I've 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 gone back and forth in my, I've thought about this a lot and I so I the, the Dorado thing is really interesting to me because I feel like you can't really separate him and Stephen Hart. I, I honestly feel like they're either both here or they're both not here. It has to be yeah. like that because we we've talked about this before. It's no secret, but we were playing Alex Alejandro Dorado's football for the first half of the season. Like, make no mistake, that was his system and his way of playing with Hart as more of a an overseer and a man manager and dealing with that side of it. So when you say, "Oh, Hart should go and we should have Dorado as a coach." nothing changes from a systemic point of view in terms of how we look on the pitch and how we play. The only thing that changes is you don't have like that overseer who's going to, who's going to like manage personalities and manage people, which is what Stephen Hart does. So I, 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 one, one like option I don't see as a viable option or a good idea is Hart to go and Dorado to stay. Like for me, they either both go or they both stay. Um, So yeah, I hope that answers. Yeah. um, I, 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 like, my my thoughts were always that like uh, he was being uh, I hate using the word groomed. <laughs> he looks disgusting, but he was like being set up as the man to take over from Stephen Hart uh, along the way. And you know, I I don't think it was ever going to like I, I at one stage I was like that like just give the job to Dorado, get Stephen out there, like his ideas or whatever. But the, like the more I kind of listened to what you were saying about that, this is Dorado's system. You're kind of right that I mean, like all along, if he's been the one that's been driving the way the team plays, well, nothing much is going to change then because he's going to want to stick with this system. And the only way it will change is if we bring in the personnel that we think we can fit that system. And I, I, like you've mentioned it here before, that maybe the players at this level just aren't good enough to play in that system that he wants us to play. So it's it's going to be interesting. Like you know, um, I I think there's there's been so many rumors about 
Stephen's job uh, and all that kind of stuff about whatever. I still think the biggest mistake we made was getting him to sign a three-year extension in this league. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, but he's still a really good. He's a he's a great football man, and I think uh, I hate seeing this happen to him, mm. uh, because he is getting the blame for. It. You can see it starting. The stress is getting to him. Like we've seen some pictures, and then seeing that thing with Santos and Dorado, like I'm not trying to make that much of a big deal of it, but like it then makes you think like how much respect does Dorado have within that squad it is, you know, like Stevens, as you said, is obviously like the, the figurehead, uh, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I just, I just hope whatever happens, like if, if he is to go, I hope the whole situation is, and I think it will be, but is handled with dignity from all yeah. quarters, like from supporters, from the ownership, from, the players, like whatever happens, he's a he's a, a good guy and he's done an incredible amount for the club. Like help build it from the ground up. And that yep. like that deserves respect. So I hope whatever happens that it's yeah, it's it's handled with dignity and grace. Yeah. Um so uh next one is from Bishopville Red. And I think this is the question you were probably like a bit yeah, apprehensive to answer. So uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how to answer this. But we'll, well, I'm, yeah, I'm this looking is, forward to seeing you try. So uh, squirm. <laughs> from day one, the club has faced issues slash concerns that raise questions about professionalism. What is going on? How do we consistently show a blind spot to certain issues? What are common denominators? Uh, field, bench, office, and how are we going to fix it? It's a really, it's a really good question that I would love to have like a private conversation about <laughs> because I think we all we all hear things and we all hear rumors like it's a small city and the community around the club is pretty small so we all we all hear little anecdotes about certain players and certain behaviors maybe staying out a bit late maybe drinking a bit too much maybe acting poorly towards um and it's kind of going back to 2019 when it was a much bigger problem than it is now i don't like to be honest i don't even know if it is a problem like you hear these anecdotes but obviously no we we don't we don't know exactly it's fourth and fifth and no idea if any of it's true so it's yes it's it's hard to answer that question without kind of getting ourselves sued (laughs) because we don't know we don't know any we don't know if any of this is actually we don't know anything that's true so yeah so, sorry so, sorry for not being able to answer that so, so i was kind of thinking about this one today as well and you're right it's like it's impossible for us to know truly what's been got what's happened at the club like you know as you said like there's obviously but with everything there's always stories and all that kind of stuff you don't know what's true or whatever unless you were there and you saw it firsthand but what we can speak about is like how the club has gone from where it started to where it is now and i, I think that that first season um a lot of the, a lot of the people that come into the the club at in the first season weren't like they like Derek Martin, Stephen Hart, like they had never been around club football before. Like Derek Derek Martin is a promoter. Like I mean, like that's what he did. That's what he was doing before he became president of the Wanderers. Stephen Hart has usually only been around international football, where you don't have to worry about fa- like the stadiums and all that kind of stuff. Matt Fegan, I I don't know if he had professional like was he at a professional club before he came here where he was like overseeing operations like to this scale so i think they've all had to do an awful lot of on the job learning and the only way like the only way you learn is by making mistakes and i think um the, the 
a lot of these rumors were around in 2019 and we don't really have as many rumors now because yeah, I think exactly. it, it is a lot like <clears throat> a lot of that stuff is kind of kept in-house and I, I think there's probably like a better code of conduct between the, on, on the players when they sign and I think even the players that were signing are a lot more professional than what we had signed in 2019 that's no disrespect to 2019 lads but I just feel like that like because the league has moved on and the level of player has moved on that the, the higher you go up the, the, the grades for the most part like people risk like like they're more interested in looking after their fitness or like their diet like they do all that stuff automatically they don't need a club to tell them what to do they just know how to do it Big time. Um, yeah i think i think that's an important distinction to make actually and i should have mentioned that um nearly everything i've ever heard from a poor professionalism standpoint is relating to 2019 and like <laughs> make no mistake there are a couple of massive dickheads on that team who are no longer with the club fortunately yeah but i think a lot of it came from that era and yeah you don't you don't hear so much at all now but like they all seem to kind of look after themselves a lot better and yeah uh, but and I, I, st- I still think that everybody's learning like there's still like a level of it feels to me like there is a level of amateurism still that like they don't act professionally when they sh- they should do um and like i'm not gonna i don't get into whatever but i just think that there is there's still a long way to go and there's a lot of learning still to be done. But for the most part, I think that they've built a pretty decent club and it's got a pretty good, um, it's got a pretty good vibe around it, you know? And, and I think that unfortunately part of living in a small city is, is that anytime anything does happen, word gets around pretty good yeah. because it's like small cities breed gossip. So yeah, um, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully that answers some of it. And I really hope, you know, going forward, and uh it keeps getting better and better um e mcbrule i'm I'm probably gonna butcher all these people's names i'm really sorry if i do um mark noon said he wants to see a supporter shield to the outright winner of the regular schedule if that happens should the name of the winners from 2019 etc be inscribed yeah um yes yeah 100 i think that's definitely you know coming and this is something that was Europeans do is that like we kind of have a, a hate on for playoffs even though we do technically have playoffs in the, the championship and league one and league two and all that kind of stuff I, I love playoffs now completely I, grown on me oh, I, I fucking hate it I, I just, really I, yeah I, I just I, I just it just it, it, to me like it's just you, I feel like you get people teams that will just sandbag towards the end of the season <laughs> you, you know what I mean I, I, anyway um, I, I definitely think that's that's a great idea and if they're going to do it they should do it retrospectively because I think in all fairness to to Calvary, like I mean, they were fantastic in that first yeah. season, and um, that I thought they really did deserve something, especially after winning like was it the two leagues they won like the, the they won spring, spring and, and full yeah uh, spring and autumn. I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do the fall thing. Um, <laughs> so I, I feel like this is an episode all on its own. This next question, so I, I think oh, Jesus. I think we should. It's a great question, but I think it's something that we should do to, more towards the end of the season. And um, okay. we will definitely give you a credit for this one. It was, uh, who would you like to see come back next season? But I think that's an episode all on its own. I think we yeah. should do that. Um, so I we think, will yeah, definitely... towards the end of the season, we'll do like a like a, re- a recap episode yep. and then maybe an episode where we go through all of that. And I think I think what, I think what, what I'll do is that we'll listen back to where pre-season thing that we had uh the God, pre-season yeah. episode and we'll see like how how all wrong we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly how wrong i was basically <laughs> <laughs> uh this one's from andy watson uh 
you think we'll score from open play again this season? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what would you give like an over under on that? How many games have we got left? Seven, six. Seven. I, I, we, we're definitely got it. I, 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 we're definitely going to score a goal. Play. We yeah, to. we'll score like three or four probably. Yeah. And this one's from Greg Paziuk. I'm really positive. I'm saying your name wrong. I think this guy is actually a Ford supporter, which is you know. I love it. We've got a couple of Ford listeners. Yeah, if you want cool. to point in here, we let him. Um, you guys have pointed out how the defense looks lost on certain goals, especially from rebounds and other broken plays. Do you think it's a systemic problem or communication between uh, certain players, or something else entirely? Um. I think there are certain game states that we really struggle in. So if if you kind of think of like the different phases of a game, there's like four or five phases, like attacking, defending, attacking in transition, defending in transition. And I think if we're focusing on the two defensive phases, we're pretty good really just defending, like low block, our lines are normally pretty good. Midfield is normally close to the defence. Like we're, we're good defending in that way. But when when the game becomes a bit broken, when teams transition and counter on us, I think we I think we struggle. Like defensively, and not just the defenders, but the midfielders as well. We don't do very well with chaos. And as soon as things we get as soon as things get broken open and a bit chaotic, then yeah, the defence shits the bed a little bit. And and that's when we concede. We we don't concede too many just from like neutral game states that doesn't often happen i feel i feel a lot of it comes down to we don't ha- also we don't have an awful lot of pace in our back line as in, in the, the team in general and yeah, i was gonna like, i was like, gonna talk about that in one of the questions but yeah you know, like mm-hmm. i mean like like our, our fullbacks are, are pretty zippy but when you go through there our midfield and you go through our central defenders there's an awful lot an awful lot of speed and i, I just think it's it's a reaction times as part of our problem is that when the play breaks down we just don't have anybody who is able to think that quickly or move their body that quickly to to, to, to clear the danger. And I think that's yeah, we, we, we don't have recovery pace in the center yeah. of the defense. So yeah. I think that's a bit, and all, he, he, uh, Greg had a little uh, side note. Also the word basket is now room for him. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Greg. Me yeah, too. Yeah. 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 Um, this one, the, this, this, this account, <laughs> I just thought, you know, I, I we've talked about like how poor Stephen Hart and all that kind of stuff, but this person's like know, resilience is, is, is unbelievable. <laughs> Has Stephen Hart been sacked? Uh, what, what, a, what a name for an account. Uh, thoughts on the cameo for Campania? He looks so solid on the ball, stepped up when needed, can compose and showed leadership we haven't seen this year. Does he take over as captain and start the team overhaul from the back? So we talked a little bit about him um, during the game, and I, I thought he played really well. Uh, he was captain of um, Thank you, the, yeah. the MLS the... two two teams. So I, it's, I, po- I, it's a possibility, but if Rampy's here next year, I can't see them replacing him. Rampy, Jeremy, yeah, and I, I don't really want to. I don't really want to put that on him in his first professional season yeah. as well. Like just get through your first season, like keep your head during that first season. That should be the priority. Like start off as a seven out of 10 player, build up to being an eight out of 10 player, impose your authority on the team gradually. But yeah, be, I think it'd be a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a weird call to give a 20 year old in his first ever professional season, the captaincy. But, uh, but I'm also like, I'm really hoping that we get to see him on on Monday. Like I'm excited, yeah, I, I think and I don't so. want to put. You're right. We don't want to put too much pressure on him and stuff like that. But um, he he does look the part, which is which is kind of. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I'm gonna try and 
at some stage this week, try and get up to a training for an hour just to kind of check out and see yeah. how he how he is. A big um, big test for him. It'd be really interesting to see him on Monday if he's up against Joe Mason. You've got this like yeah wily wily old professional who's played at a really really high level. Like let's see let's see how he reacts to that sort of battle against someone who's got every trick in the book in terms of the dark arts and like intelligent runs and things like that. But that'll be that'll be an interesting measure of where he's <clears> at. So who who would you see as his ideal uh, partner within our squad right now? Yeah, Santos or Charlotte. I, I like. I don't. I. I don't. I yeah. It could be either of them. I don't, wouldn't really. Wouldn't really care. Okay. Uh, hopefully that answered your your question. Um, and as far as we know right now, Stephen Hart has not been sacked. So that's also an answer to your your Twitter name, uh, Anthony Germana, uh, who is also. A fellow Tottenham fan, so uh, be, be just, like I said, the other, be, you're like rats in the city. Oh, yeah. You like just are you fucking kidding me? Just coming out of the drain pipes everywhere. Fucking Amla's a bleeding Arsenal fan. That, that what is a, it. What a kick in the bollocks that was. Um, no, I'm never criticising anyone here now. If you're given managerial control of the team tomorrow, how would you handle the remainder of the season? I.e., what would your strategy focus be? Uh, who would you play, sit, and would you attempt new formations? I love that question. Um, I I don't think I'd try new formations, but I, I would definitely lean into, and this kind of contradicts us moaning earlier about Jeremy not playing, but I would definitely lean into taking a look at, like, like I feel like it's going to be pretty instructional, our lineups between now and the end of the season, because it's basically going to be made up of players who we know are coming back, who we want to kind of get up to speed. And I think probably players who the club still aren't sure on in terms of are they going to renew or not. I think that will be pretty, I think it will be a bit of like a a bit of a tell looking at those lineups because why as a club, and again, I think there's probably like seven or eight players they've already made a decision on who are not going oh, yeah. to be coming back. But at least, why, why would you start them in games if you, because A, they're not coming back and B, by not coming back, you obviously don't think they're good enough to compete in this league. So why would you start them? So it's going to be a, an interesting, it's going to be an interesting few weeks, actually. Like I kind of said earlier, I wanted the season to end, but at the same time, I am interested to see the development of certain players. And and like, if, if it does, there are times when it feels fresh and there are times when it feels very stale. I thought like the first half against Edmonton, the players on the pitch, it felt really stale. But then by the end, we had Campagna on, who was interesting. We had Escobar on, who was interesting. Amler was on, that felt fresh, Robinson. So it'd be good to get a good look at those players and and hopefully it will kind of guide the club towards making the right decision on them. So yeah, I, I'd, blood, I'd blood the new players. Like results can't get any worse, so why not? I I one hundred percent agree. I think uh, I think it's a fan base like you know we're all angry, we're all pissed off, but we also realize we're not going to make the playoffs. Let's be honest here. So let's uh, you know I want to see Robinson giving the start. I want to see Escobar start. I want to see like these guys who brought in development contracts. You're not to give them three games or whatever it is. Like give them a fucking game and just yeah. put them in there and see what they're all about. Because you know 
what difference does it make at this stage? You know, like I, I think I, if if we put those players in and we get a great result, how much of a buzz is that going to create around whatever? And if we get spanking, so fucking what? We got hammered four 0 <laughs> at home by Forge, and we're gonna we're gonna moan about it. Whatever, yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, yeah, but I I agree with you though. I, I think it'd be kind of like the, the the club already know. I'd say the, uh, the majority of what's going to happen with the squad, like even where like the five or six games or whatever it is that we've got left. So, I mean, why not give guys a chance? I, I feel like Ryan Robinson is a perfect example of he's never really been given a chance, you know, and uh, people are excited to see him. You know, I thought he was really good in the under 23 games. When he comes on, he puts a lot about, like, you know, he's got a bit of, he's got a bit of something to him. It'd be kind of nice to see him, like, give him a start mm-hmm. and see what he does because it can't be any worse than what we've got right now. So you know It becomes I mean? more difficult now. Now we're playing two up front instead of three up front. It becomes a lot more difficult to find minutes for the attackers. So, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like to see it as well. Yeah. Another one, I would really like to see Amler and Fumper as a front two. Like, they, I think that works in my head. Yeah. So I'd, I'd I, quite I, like to see that on Monday. I, I definitely think that, uh, like, that's one relationship that they should focus in on. Because I think that with Fumper, like, can, he's he's the type of player who can take somebody on and get a cross in, mm. and Amelie can like he's good with his head. And, yeah, and, uh, I, th- and I think for, like a tool guy flicking it on yeah, for, him, for exactly, for and that. like you know, like Salter just doesn't give us that because he's, he's like he's you know he might he's kind of tall but he's like skinny like he's a rake. So. Weird, weirdly, not good at heading it for a tall yeah. guy. He's, <laughs> no, like, but... he's all feet, isn't he? He's all soft yeah. feet and. And I'm cool with that, you know, but like, uh, it's uh, it's nice to have these options. So yeah, Anthony, thanks again for your question. Really appreciate it. And uh, come on, you Spurs. Uh, Daniel Sequira. I've probably butchered that name too. <laughs> um, for the lighter side, what's your go-to food and beverage for watching away days on the telly? What's uh, Anthony's? So, so I normally go to Free House for away games um and they have they don't always have it on tap but they've got this beer called lund's mill and it is as close to like a proper british bitter that i've had in canada you know like flat room temperature <laughs> multi beer uh well like subtly multi so i i always drink that at free house if they've got it. it's a really really nice beer so that'd be mine and and to be honest like people my, my canadian mates give me shit for this but i don't really like eating if i'm drinking because i just get really tired and sleepy if i eat, if i'm like drinking a load then i eat something like my night is over i just want to go bed so yeah just the beer for me thank you well, if you're if you're having a bitter, it's like it's like Guinness is basically just a meal in a glass. I just have exactly, visions yeah. of them. You know those taps that they have when they put the point in. It's just like, whoosh, <laughs> no, no, know, it the, is. It's exactly that. Yeah, it's exactly uh, so that, which, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I can. Free house should sponsor. Free house should sponsor us. The amount of, the amount of big ups I give that place. I know, um, but we do have a sponsor, so you should have said fucking anything <laughs> but the free house. Anyway, um, mine's uh, Heineken and. Heineken flavored crisps um, is what you go to. That no, 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 <laughs> no uh, you, usually, if, like if 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 I'm at home, um, I will probably have a bottle of bottle of beer if I'm watching the game. Like, I, it's doesn't really matter which one. To be perfectly honest, once it's part mm. of the Molson Coors brand, and um, I don't, I'm the same. Like, like you know, maybe I like like smart. You know those that smart food popcorn, the white cheddar one. I'll probably yeah, it's pretty light, isn't it? it yeah, I'll probably munch in a bowl of that or something. But if I'm out and about, like I'll, um, it really depends on where I go. Uh, I was going to Coy Brady's for a while, but and I would just drink tall ships. But uh, I haven't, I haven't actually. Where was the last time I watched a Wanderers game? 
because uh, I've been watching the kids for most of the games mm-hmm. the last while. So, um, yeah. So, um, hope to answer your question. Like, if I go out, I probably like to drink a like a lager. Like, I don't really want to. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and the last question then from the Molson mailbag is from Simon Green, our friend from up north in in Ireland. Um, do you think we need a more experienced keeper to take the reins in the first team, or are we happy with the current setup? Yeah, I I, I think. I think we need a new keeper. I I think the 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 supporters have kind of they they've lost faith with the current setup. So I think we need we need to we need to fresh start. And the kind of keeper we need is something I'm going back and forth on as well because I think at this level you you don't really get an, an all rounder keeper at this level. They're either a good shot stoppers or good with their feet. So like someone like Kristen Henry, not a good shot stopper, but very good with his feet compared to like Carducci or Ingham, excellent shot stoppers, but eh, like a bit a bit mare with their feet. So I think we need to choose what our priority is. And if it's a keeper who's good with their feet, we're probably going to have to look internationally. If you just want like a 100% great shot stopper, you can probably find that in, in domestically, but but yeah, I, I I think I think we probably need to like, in terms of experience, like I don't know how much is going to be out there. Like if you don't find that many 27, 28, 28 year old goalkeepers who are good enough for the league and available as well, because they'll probably be playing in MLS or USL or another CPL club if they are. So it'll be hard to find experience, but you you ideally want your first choice goalkeeper to be older than twenty three or twenty four, I'd say. I, I think um, part of the pro- like this is always going to be a problem for us is, you know, um, you, you look to like what the situation that York had last season. They had two really good keepers in, in Nico Giansopoulos and they had Nate Ingham. Both were good enough to start the game. They're kind of pushing each other forward. And I thought that they, they both had like fantastic seasons pretty much. Um, and then Nate like leaves and he goes to, to to Ottawa because like these guys like they, they want to stay close to home you know what I mean like if you're like the, the the draw of having a team in in Ontario when you're from Ontario like we we, we can't emphasize that enough and the problem is is that if if it comes down to us trying to sign Nate Ingham and he has an optional table from Atletico Ottawa or he's got one from Halifax he's going to take it he's going to take mm-hmm. Ottawa it is what yeah. it is and this is where our issue is, is that I don't think we, like, obviously goalkeeping is a very important position, but I don't think I'd want to waste an international spot on it. Um, I, I Most of the, I don't think any of the, the, the apart from Edmonton probably, like, but mm. I think their keeper has a, the Estonian guy, he might have Canadian citizenship. So I, I think it's, we have to find somebody within Canada, but then it's also finding somebody who's willing to relocate and it's going to, it's going to be a tough one because we're seeing, uh, goalkeepers drop out of the game as well. I mean, like we like Connor James and, and people like that. So, um, I, I think we need to change the setup. I think keeping Basket on would be a good thing, but then the problem there is like I don't think he wants to be a number two keeper anymore. Agreed, he yeah. wants to be the main man, but I don't think he's ready to be a number one. He's twenty. Also agreed. Yeah, he has great presence in the box, but he still has an awful long way to go. I think and trying to say that to a 20 year old is going to be very very difficult um so yeah it's it's if if he isn't agreeable to those conditions of like being a number two to a more experienced guy well then he has to go too and i I hate being whatever but that's just the way it is and i think you're right we we do need to change it up but let's see what happens um and that's not to say christian oxner hasn't been a great servant for club two and this is 
this is the thing we want to get across that we're not just being jerks to people and saying they're shit. It's far from it. It's just mm. that, that the league is getting better and better and better and better. And I find with certain things, we're falling behind a little bit. And also we need to be move away from this romantic idea of the club. And we have to have somebody from Halifax in the team. And we need to have somebody. It's like, we just need to move on from that. And just, it's all about the club at this stage. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that was a really important idea to have in the first season when you're trying to get yeah. buy-in from people, local people. But now, yeah, I, 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 I think people don't really care where, the players are from not, not yep. should they it's sports yep and that's just the way it is so um gary uh we've gone way over time and it's been a hey, it's a long one wasn't it it's a marathon one but that's all down to the uh the most mailbag <laughs> that's what monster took, took, took the time up on so yeah um we really appreciate you uh hanging out again um thank you to Molson chorus for sponsoring the show uh hopefully we'll have a Right foot, please.